When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Timmy Ruff from the New Roses from Germany, and you're listening to Jay Scott and the Hope Rocks. It's Jay Scott. It's the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thanks for tuning in once again. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Great network of music-related podcasts. You can check out my friends on the platform like Vinny Apice and Carmen Apice on the Hanging and Banging Podcast, Martin Popoff, the Rock Historian, Mistress Carrie, the Legendary DJ out in Boston, Tom and Zeus on Shout Out Loudcast, as well as Chris and Aaron on Decibel Geek. And also check out some of my other friends, too, like Jason and uh, on the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast, as well as the Itch Rock and Radio Show and many others. Check out Pantheon Podcast at PantheonPodcast.com and on Twitter at Pantheon Pods, on Instagram and Facebook as well. And don't forget to check out The Hook Rocks on those three platforms. Just search up The Hook Rocks. And we are available on all podcast platforms. So search up The Hook Rocks on Amazon, Spotify, Apple, and download the latest episodes at your app. For automatic download and enjoy our latest episode as well as the 400 plus episodes we've done the past few years. We've had some great episodes recently. We had Tyler Bryant from Tyler Bryant and Shakedown talking his new album, Shake the Roots. We also had James Lomenzo from Megadeth, Mark Tremonti from Alter Bridge. We did our third quarter album review. We talked about 90 plus albums and we ranked our top 10. So check that out. And also our resident. What do you call him? Our audio professor, Skylab, Robert Skylab, talking about how to build a home studio uh, in 2022. And then also check out our latest commentary episode with Music Business Insider, Christine Eagle, where we talk about how the algorithm and TikTok is ruining rock music. And uh, some great information there about how they mine data and how they collect data on you and how they keep you in a bubble with what music you're listening to. So it's, it throttles discovery of new music which is really important to rock music and other genres 
as uh, the young artists that are up and coming want to grow and grab an audience. So we've got another great episode for you today. Um, it's a pleasure to welcome this guest. I'm really excited about uh, the interview, getting to know him and uh, talking about his music and his tour. And that is Devin Allman. What's happening? How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Appreciate you doing this. And yep. like I said, uh, looking forward to talking with you here. But we always ask the same first question every time we have a first time guest on the podcast. And that is really what we're all about. Just like every great rock song has a hook that pulls you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. I think I may know your answer, but it's the follow-up ones that I really want to get into. What uh-huh. hooked you on rock and roll? Oh God. You know, I mean, there's so many like kind of pivotal moments in a, in a young man's journey to hoisting the, the goblet of rock as it were. Um, I was nine. It was my first concert. It was cheap trick. It was Rick Nielsen five neck guitar it was insane it was just like for a nine-year-old boy you know who had never been to a concert um and 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 truly falling in love with rock radio by age four and then you know um all of my friendships were centered around music and playing air guitars on tennis rackets i mean true child of the 70s um, so when all of those things coalesced into this live experience of, of this energy exchange between band and audience, it was like, well, that's it. Like that, there, there's nothing cooler on the planet. You know, that was, that was it. That was where, that was where I knew it was a love affair that would last my lifetime. It, you know, I didn't really make the decision to become a musician then. And, and I don't know if you ever make that decision. I think the universe kind of, picks you you know um if you work hard enough and kind of develop it and do all the do all the work put in the the ten thousand hours and all that but that that was the the night that was like wow like this is magic cheap trick is such a amazing band and they have such a body of work and and they have you know obviously they're popular songs that everybody knows but the depth of their catalog, I think, is really underappreciated. You know, when you think about those songs that you don't hear on classic rock radio, when, you know, those songs that are like those deep tracks, like the house is rocking with domestic problems or um, you know, Caroline and all that kind of stuff. Oh, Caroline and everything. I mean, it's just it's just a great I mean, they do it so well and they still do it so well. I mean, I grew up not too far from Rockford, Illinois, where they're from. And I mean, seeing Trip Trick, Cheap Trick when I was a kid, uh, local shows here outside of Chicago, you know, they were always so good. But, you know, and then you think back, think back, like how they were so involved in pop culture, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High and movie soundtracks and all that. Their catalog is is a lot deeper than I think people really realize. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're um, they they were big to me as a kid. I mean, Surrender was like one of the best rock songs ever written. I mean, like if, if, if an American band had an equivalent to like the stones, give me shelter, maybe it's surrender. Like it spoke for a whole generation. You know, there was a, there was a time where, you know, that, 
that song really just resonated, you know, with, um, with the youth of the seventies and, and, and maybe even the, the, just the, the beginning of the early eighties. Um, I mean, when they, when they rolled through Corpus Christi, Texas, when I was nine, I think it was 81 and it was the one-on-one tour and the, the song that was getting the, you know, like the MTV love was, um, was she's tight. That was the single at the time. And I just remember loving that tune. Like the, the vibe on it, the guitar riff was just like nasty. Like, you know, it, it wasn't your parents rock and roll. It wasn't like, you know, uh, America or like Donovan or like, you know, it was like, it had, it had some swagger and it was like, you know, it was, it was the kind of music where the parents would kind of come down the hall and, and just go ahead and close your door <laughs> for you, for you and for them. <laughs> and we all loved that as kids, you know, I mean, I take it you're in the same generation as me. We're, yeah. we keep the same hours. We're probably from the same, you know, uh, early seventies, late sixties, maybe early seventies, but they were awesome, man, you know? I was, I mean, I was more of an, of an early eighties, mid eighties kid, you know, like kind of like the beginning of that, that birth of like heavy metal and, and hard rock. But what's similar to what you said is how, when we hung out in the neighborhood, a lot of our conversations centered around music, you know, it was always yeah. sharing music and talking, whether it was, you know, the new Judas Priest album or the new, you know, Def Leppard album or, you know, whatever it was, it was, that's what we did because our parents worked. We were the first generation of like kids that like had both parents working. So we rode our bikes to whoever's house and we just listened to music all day and got in trouble. I mean, that was the thing. And I was, I was having this conversation um, with someone recently um, it was a whole culture and, and, and the connectivity was different because the connectivity was not based around social media or technology, computers, phones, et cetera, you know, chats and, you know, um, like, you know, what, whatever, all, all the stuff that's out there these days. Um, the connectivity was based for us on, on music. Example, you're in the eighth grade, you come into school on Monday. And that guy over there has a Judas Priest t-shirt on. He was at the show Friday night. You don't know him. And you go up to him and you go, dude, wow, you went, how was Judas Priest on Friday? And you go, oh my God, man, it was amazing. Like, were you there? It's like, no, man, my parents wouldn't let me go. They think they're like the devil's music. You know, did they play, you know, heading out to the highway? Oh yeah, man, they played that. The second, second song, like these were the conversations that we had and these were the friendships we galvanized based on a screen printed t-shirt that connectivity was so sacred back then you when you like dude i moved around too like i was in three different high schools in three different states every year i was in it you know like i was in cleveland for my freshman year alabama for my sophomore year and st louis for my junior year and i would scout out my future bros by like boom there's the slayer t-shirt oh Dude's got a Hendrix t-shirt that, you know, that guy doesn't know it, but we're going to party, like you know, and, yeah. and that was like so cool to have that connectivity based on this sacred circle of music loving freaks, you know, and I still to this day, I can be in, in Germany 
Dude, I was in I was in the Azores Islands in the middle of the Atlantic, which is connected to Portugal. And I saw a maiden shirt walking down the street, and I was like, "Dude, the trooper!" And he was like, "Oh yeah, man!" He was like, "Up the irons!" And I'm like, "Anywhere in the world, right. you still have that junior high in the early '80s connectivity because yeah. of t-shirts and music and 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 the love for all, all that." I just took my son to see Judas Priest on Tuesday. He's 17. And before the show starts, I, I lean over to him. I go, you realize when I was your age, I couldn't bring this music in my house. Like I had to like covert ops, bring this music into my house because, you know, my mom was a devout Catholic, you know, and Judas Priest or Iron Maiden. I couldn't, I had to like hide that like secret, top secret areas. So I, I have a, this is one of like my better like childhood heavy metal story. Cause I'm, I, people that know me, like I, I am a metalhead. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I play, I play music that's in the realm of my family, but I love to listen to all types. I listen to a lot of African music, a lot of jazz, uh, particularly forties and fifties, like love Coltrane, yada, yada. But I have a, I have a metalhead side. And certainly when I was a, a young teenager, I really gravitated towards, you know, Iron Maiden and Priest and all that. So when we lived in Cleveland, all of a sudden I was living in a metropolis that, big bands would stop in Cleveland on tour. Like it was a big enough city to get good tours. So all of a sudden, and like less than a mile from our crib was the arena that the Cavaliers played basketball in. Right. So I was like, Holy, Holy shit. Like there, we're going to get a lot of concerts and I'm checking out the schedule. Now I grew up in, you know, small town, Texas. We barely ever got concerts. And, you know, my mom wasn't so religious, but she was a diehard, Texan through and through. You don't mess with Texas, you know, like the, the, the right, slope. Right. So you'll see where this story goes. So I go, Ma, I go, Ma, Iron Maiden's coming. Like, I really want to see Iron Maiden. And she goes, No problem. How much are tickets? I, you know, 20 bucks. I'll buy the tickets for you. You know, can you bring a friend? I'm like, no. No one will let their kid go. <laughs> she goes, Well, she goes, they're stupid. This is what you love. This is the art that that you love. And I I want you to experience that. She goes, they're not devil worshipers. It's all theatrics. And I'm like, Ma, I love you. You get it. Like, this is amazing. She's like, be at this lamppost at 1115 when that concert's out. And if you're a minute late, you won't get to go to the next concert. So she kept tabs on me. Like, she bought me the ticket. She even slid me a 20 for a T-shirt. She supported my my drug of choice, which was heavy metal, right? Mom, Triumph's coming. Mom, like, Rat is coming. Hey, Mom, blah, blah, blah. So uh, we're sitting, uh, I, I can't remember where we were. It was like a fast food joint or something, like a Chick-fil-A in a mall or something. And I go, Mom, Metallica's coming. And she's like, Metallica, who's that? And I go, oh, they're, all, they're, all, they're like the heaviest. And she goes, oh. Well, show me the ad. And I show her the ad, and it's Ozzy with special guest Metallica. And she goes, no, you won't go to that. Now, she has let me go to every metal show under the sun. No, you can't go to that. Ma, why not? She's like, you're not giving your money to Ozzy Osbourne. I go, Ma, come on. Like, I just want to go see Metallica. She goes, nope, Metallica won't be making the money that night. Ozzy Osbourne will, and you're not giving him $1 of your money. 
And I'm like, come on, let me, let me go see Metallica and I'll come home when Metallica's done. Like you could pick me up at 845. Like I don't need to see Ozzy. Nope. You won't be going to that show. And I'm like, why you let me go to every concert? Why won't you let me go see Ozzy? You know, or Metallica. She goes, he peed on the Alamo. And I was like, son of a gun. <laughs> I didn't get to see Cliff Burton play with Metallica because Ozzy pissed on the Alamo. And my mom was like, no, like he is, he is not forgiven for this act. Like, <laughs> I still, to this day, my mom's been passed away for, you know, like six years now. And I tell that story and I'm like, man, she was really cool, but she, she drew that line, you know? Definitely don't mess with Texas on that one. <laughs> nope. He beat on the Alamo. Well, you got the, the Almond Family Revival Tour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about some live music. I guess the first question, before, you know, as we get into it, you know, all the, all the stuff that you saw growing up, Cheap Trick, all these bands. Yes. Obviously, it's, it's a different style of, of rock music. But how do you incorporate that influence of those bands that you saw growing up? How did that stay with you? And how does that, how do you bring that out, you know, on your performance? Man, I mean, you know, I, I think that I learned, I learned how to connect with an audience through watching some of the harder rock shows. They were fun. They were you know, they got the crowd involved. It, it was everybody, you know, it wasn't, you know, just these musicians playing for the people. It was like everybody was in the experience together. You know, it was, a, you know, it transcended the um, the audience and then the, the band. It was just kind of all one, just all friends, all one big family. And I've always had that vibe um, when I hit the stage. You know, I want everybody to have a good time. I've traveled a, a long way to make sure that people have a good time that night. I feel like it's my responsibility to make sure that people walk out of there with a smile on their face and feeling like they got their batteries recharged, you know? Um, and you don't have to be a circus clown to do that. You can just simply have some fun with them, you know, and let them know it's okay to let your hair down. And this is why we go to spectator events. You can't stand up at your job and go, <laughs> scream at the top of your lungs, but you can at a concert and you can at a baseball game. And there are these um, forums that, you know, we are allowed to go completely ape shit crazy in. And I feel really blessed to be able to kind of MC those moments for people and, and, and pull it out of them. Um, so that's what I've taken from some of those early shows um, and put into the music. And I think <clears throat> when you, when you hold a standard, for musicianship, but also for, for entertainment. Um, I think when those two worlds really coalesce, that's, that's where you can really hit a mark with people. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when you talk about that experience at a, at a rock and roll show, you know, like that, what's that comment? I think it's from almost famous, a great rock concert can change the world, you know, and yeah, why not? Change, change your own world. I mean, I go to so many shows. I've been to so many shows in my lifetime. I still get a rush, you know, during a show. I mean, it's like no other, you know, when, and especially when, you know, the crowd is present, you know, like now it's more of a challenge because everybody's got their cell phone. So it's hard for an audience member to stay present both physically and mentally, you know, because yeah. they're, they want to capture something and they want to share it 
and they're missing, you know, you know, the dynamic of the show. But I still, you know, I still get that charge every time I know a band's about to come on stage and, you know, the crowd erupts. It's just, it, there's no other feeling like it. I've yet to experience anything like it. Yes. And, you know, that's why, you know, someone asked me, he's like, you're like addicted to, to live concerts. I'm like, yeah, I think I am. <laughs> I think I am because there's just nothing, you know, for me at least, there's there's just no other experience that, that even comes close. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's a that's a safe addiction, you know. Um, yeah, man, you know, I tell you what, like over the last, you know, decade, even I haven't I haven't been able to be a spectator watching a concert as as often as I would like, because I'm still such a huge fan of music. But, you know, over the summer, I, I went and saw the Stones in Paris. And um, man, when the first first chord of street fighting man hit when Keith hit that Telecaster and his tone was the tone of gods. It just, it brought me right back, you know, and it was like, yeah, the power of live music and that togetherness is. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm addicted too, man. I mean, that's a, that's a major food group, live music. The Almond Family Revival features your project, Devin Almond Project, and it has a lot of guests with it. How does something like this come together as you put it together with just the cities you're touring and the people that are involved? It started six years ago um, on what would have been my father's 70th birthday. Um, My dad passed away months before he was to turn 70. Um, So we thought it would be really cool to play his music. Um, So I gathered a bunch of his friends and protégés and um, some people that played with him, some people that opened with some people that were the opening acts for him, some people that were just simply inspired and influenced by him and and, and their path to music. And we all had a big love in uh, for him on that night. And it was so moving and um, it was so special to everyone involved that we were, we were asked to do it again the next year. And everybody was like, well, yeah, I'd do it in a heartbeat, you know? And we did two nights because the first one had sold out. And we were like, yeah, it's great. And then it just grew. So it's really funny. You know, it it wasn't like some boardroom decision. It wasn't some agents or managers concocting some plan. It was it was like, hey, man, I want to like I want to celebrate dad's birthday. He's not here anymore. What can we do? You know? And then it just grew and it grew and it grew. And now it's a like an 18 city tour. And, and next year we're talking about, you know, almost doubling that and then taking it abroad. Um, it's just become this kind of living, breathing beast um, of a tour with, with all of these um, cast of characters, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful that it grew from one night to two to three cities before we really kind of took it on tour. And the whole reason we took it on tour was like, Hey, if we're going to get this set and this behemoth of a show, like down, like a science, like the end of the third show, you're kind of like, well, shit, like we have this, we have this whole thing ready to go now. Like it's really, it's really starting to groove. Why not? Why not just get in the bus and take it, take it around town to town. So 
it's grown and um it's really uh it's really wild sometimes i really stop myself and go like damn you know i'm i'm standing here and i'm singing midnight rider and it's an honor and a privilege to do that but at the same time i just wish i was hearing my dad singing you know miss him it is an um an interesting tour in that like you said, you have this collective of people that were inspired by your dad's music, toured with them, you yeah. know. And you also get to celebrate your dad's life because, you know, he's no longer with us. And it's a way for you to stay connected, right? Because we've all mourned people we love. We've all lost people we love. And the, the farther you get from that time, you know, the... The, the the memory, you know, it turns from pain to, to happiness, right? Because you start to laugh more than cry as you get farther away from it. And I imagine celebrating your dad and now it's become this tour and, and then the next year and playing his music. That has to be special for you and it's special for everyone connected with it, too, because it, it just remains, you know, how do you keep someone close that's no longer here? Well, you keep them in your heart, you keep them in your mind. But you're playing the music, too, which is really, which is really cool. Yeah, it's um like I said, it's it's truly an honor. I mean, you know, there's there's times in the show where I'm just um you know, whether I'm watching another artist do one of dad's songs and like doing the hell out of it, you know, like like Marcus King doing whipping post, you know, or watching um you know, uh we had Joanne Shaw Taylor doing I'm no angel, you know. Um just like all of these, these different cats, you know, um, and it's just like, I don't know. It, it hit me like dad's looking down going, damn, you know, like all, all this jamming for me, you know, I think he would be really tickled. I think he'd be proud. Um, everybody really brings her a game and yeah, it's, uh, it means a lot to me to be able to do that. Um, you know, take that time at the end of the year, you know, after the whole year of, of, you know, doing tours and, 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 and doing records just to take that time out for, for dad. It's cool. There's also the dynamic of keeping his music alive to new audiences. When you bring these artists with you yep. um, on this tour, they're bringing their fans in to these shows and your dad's music is growing without him still being here, which is really cool too as well. That in itself is a celebration. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's a really great byproduct of of the tour and the the entity that we're that we're growing here together is not only is it galvanizing our generation of musicians and and kind of giving us a platform um, and a and a chance for you know kind of a, a family reunion at the end of every year you know we don't get to see each other all year because everybody's off on their own tours or everybody's off in the studio making their own records so when we come together for him. We get to all be together, which is amazing. And then, yeah, it's pretty cool to, uh, you know, to, to know that, you know, dad's music continues to reach and reach, and reach new, new ears, you know. When you think of, you know, the influence your family's music has had on rock and roll through the years, and you mentioned Marcus King and Joanne Shaw Taylor, and, you know, there's so many others too as well. I mean, there's bands like Blackberry Smoke and there's bands, you know, Whiskey Myers and have that spirit. 
in them, you know, that, you know, your family's music really, really started. When you think of that legacy and you think about what you're doing, what's the most important thing for you to really convey during these performances? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think, you know, setting a standard of, of that, that high caliber of musicianship is, is key. You know, we, um, we take it really seriously when, when I put the set list together, you know, it's, it's usually three different phases of like, here's, here's a broad stroke sketch. And then now I'm going to get with each individual artist and make sure that these moments are, you know, somewhat malleable for, for what they want to do during their spotlight, but also um, where they're really putting their best foot forward um, with an almond centric song um, and how that works into a show, you know, and then the final set list is where it's like, okay, now you've, you've gotten everybody comfortable and you've, you've put certain people with, you know, with other musicians that would be really just great, like collaborations in, in that moment, like this guy's got to jam with that guy. Um, so I think, you know, I think the number one thing that, that I look for is a show that will really, um, put the guests in, in their best light in, in that evening, because it's a, it's a really fast moving, lot of moving parts show, you know, it's, it's constantly kind of getting a facelift throughout the evening. Um, I based it on the the blueprint for it was the last waltz by the band, you know, come out, play a couple numbers, get the crowd into it. And then, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Samantha fish, and then it's off to the races and it's a new guest every eight to 10 minutes taking the reins and taking control of the crowd. Um, so yeah. Um, set list is a big part of it. Continuity you know, and, um, and, and just keeping it, keeping it fresh, keeping it focused. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it takes, yeah. it, it, it takes months to really do. And, uh, but it's a labor of love. I mean, it's really, it's really a lot of fun to do once. And once you get it in a groove, like by, like I said, by the third or fourth night, it's like, Oh man, we, we could do this for a year if we had to, you know, as we close here, what, what excites you about, this run, these 18 dates that you have going on coming up, what excites you the most? Oh man. Uh, what excites me the most, just the, the, the camaraderie of, of these great artists, you know, and seeing them shine. That's really, that's really it. Cause I get to do my thing all the time, the rest of the year. So I really love, watching relationships happen between artists. I really love that four months after the tour, you see so-and-so and so-and-so do record a single together, or you see so-and-so produce the next record of this other artist. And I'm like, wow, that was all born out of the revival. Like that's so cool, you know? So to affect some happenings in, in rock and roll is really cool. And, and, and not from a flex standpoint, you know, just from an organic, like, wow, we, 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 we kind of set the stage for some of these organic things to coalesce and happen. And, um, that's just like, so cool. I love that. It is pretty cool. It's like this breeding ground for interaction, creativity, and 
That is great. That's and awesome. Not forced. It's like it just happens organically, and it's you know it's neat to um, to be able to affect um, a setting for that to happen. So it's like very nice. I, I feel very lucky to do that. Devin, it's been a blast talking with you, man. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, Thank you, brother. For those interested, almondfamilyrevival.com has all the information that you need to get your tickets. 18 City, it starts uh, after Thanksgiving in Georgia, then heads down to Florida and all the way up through New York and Boston and New England area and other states too as well. So get your tickets. Go on almondfamilyrevival.com. Get, we got uh, tell them who's on it. We got to well, we got we to gotta tell them that you're going to see the son of Dickie Betts, Dwayne Betts, and I. We haven't played together all year. We get to play every night for 18 nights. Donovan Frankenrider, pro surfer, renaissance man. He's incredible. Uh, Maggie Rose, upcoming country Americana star. She's been on the Grand Ole Opry like a dozen times. Larry McRae, the next blues king in waiting. If you don't know Larry McRae's music, check him out. River Kittens, um, they're incredible. We have Roy Orbison's son, Alex Orbison, playing on the whole thing. There's tons of artists. Shamika Copeland, G. Love, I mean, Samantha Fish, George Porter Jr., Ivan Neville, and Dumpster Funk. It's like, it's the, it's the sickest, man. We call it the jam of the year because there's really nothing else out there like it, you know? It's, it's one of a kind. That's awesome. Great, Bill. Uh, well, hey, man. Maybe uh, next year you'll get to Chicago. So uh, come out and check. Last year we played Chicago theater and this year it was really hard not to do a Chicago, but next year is, is definitive. It's, it's happening. So awesome. Well, thanks Thanks again, Devin. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jay. All right, everyone. I'm Jay Scott. That is Devin Allman. Again, check out the website for the tour, almondfamilyrevival.com. Get your tickets. Uh, Man, it's going to be great. I can't, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed for Chicago next year. Hopefully, I uh, get to check it out. I'm Jay Scott. This has been a great episode of The Hook Rocks. Take care of each other. We will talk again soon. Thank you. I can tell you now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.